Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota Metro Music Scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you got an extra buck or two that you wouldn't mind tossing in the podcast tip jar, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also, consider helping in the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by Steve Clark. We approach things more like a classical orchestra. If it all comes together to make a piece of music work, that's the thing. It's just using the instrument properly. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 79. Thanks to all the folks who contribute to this podcast on Patreon.com. Not sure if you can hear the peepers in the background, but coming at you this week on a beautiful spring evening from my folks' place in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin. I had an awesome Easter day full of hikes with the nieces and nephews, catching up with the family, and of course, tons and tons of food. Copper the Wonder Golden is out cold under my feet from the day's adventures. Last week's Geeks Wrap-Up. Wednesday, my gig at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota was canceled because of the Minnesota Wild playoff game. No worries, we'll be back again soon. Thursday, Brian K. Johnson and myself jammed at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota. was great hearing about Stu's family-friendly birthday gifts he received last week. Thursday night, I had an opportunity to fill in at YZ Bar and Grill, a.k.a. the Muni in YZ, Minnesota. Long day of gigging, but Brandy Bob's impersonations of Donald Trump and Caddyshack characters kept me laughing the entire show. Friday, I played a solo show at Nova in Hudson, Wisconsin. Had a blast doing a musical review of the 1990s hits for my longtime friends Huffer and Jamie. Saturday, Brian K. Johnson and myself rocked out at Vanelli's by the Lake in Forest Lake, Minnesota. Congrats to longtime friend Harley Davidson Andrew and Jen on their recent engagement. Looks like the Reverend Brian Keith Johnson may need to learn another sermon besides ZZ Top's LaGrange. Or maybe not. Upcoming shows. Wednesday, April 19th, 2017, I'll be playing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 8 to 10 p.m. Friday, April 21st, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking out at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota from 8 to 11 p.m. Saturday, Brian K. Johnson and myself were supposed to play at Lucky's 13 in Roseville, Minnesota, but they are moving to an earlier Thursday night slot for music, and I'm super happy about it. 
with my first Saturday night off in forever, I think I just may have to open up my family's cabin and have a night out in the 715 Poco Wisco. Guest this week. It's part one of three with nationally charted music producer, composer, and popular Minnesota guitarist Matt Kirkwald. We discuss D. Snyder, music copyright laws, the great Satriani Coldplay controversy, etc. Enjoy the conversation. Mr. Matt Kirkwald, welcome to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. How are you doing today there, bud? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. We are in Matt's beautiful studio here in downtown Minneapolis at Rumble Music. And uh, just a gorgeous place up here, man. Guitars everywhere. Big ass amplifiers. <laughs> and we're in the hot used. part of uh, downtown Minneapolis. We're we're like five inches from each other. We're on this on this little table here. Yeah. But uh, it's good to. I, I haven't seen you in years and years. I met you like a couple times when. Yep. Uh, um, I think we used. Did you used to play with Jason Perry and and that was uh, my first and Jim. Uh, no, I didn't play with Jim. I played with Jason. Uh, Jason Perry was my first band when I moved here. I moved here in '92. And uh, I ran and I became friends with a friend. I became friends with a drummer when I was going to music tech. I went from 92 to 94, studied guitar. And my friend Walter Powell, uh, an amazing drummer uh, from Louisiana, uh, said he was playing with this guy named Jason. I should come check it out. And uh, I hadn't been playing with anybody. I'd just been going to school. And uh, he talked me into coming down. And, and that's when I met Jason. And I've been great friends with Jason since about 1993. Wow. And I've worked in different... Um, different bands that he's been in. Like, we were in Johnny Holm together. Really? Yeah, that's Jason got me into that band, and, and then... Uh, uh, and then he played with Leighton for a long time, and then he moved to Nashville, and now he's... Yep. Uh, now he's he's kind of a jack of all trades. Well, he does everything well. He's a music producer and owns a trucking company in Nashville. And he owns that trucking company now. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh wow! He's the hard, He's one of the hardest working dudes I've ever met in my life. Great guy, great talent, and just a go getter. That's what I was thinking of when I first came up here. Um, it's by the you're located by the Shout House here in Minneapolis. Yep, just above and it. I remember when I was going down to Nashville, I'd meet up with him and Jim Carrey, and Jim was playing at. I think a version of the Shot House in downtown yep. or Shout House in downtown Nashville. Yes. We go BS down there and stuff. They did an awesome job and mm-hmm. and uh, it was a lot of fun. Okay, so we're here at Rumble Music mm-hmm. and I asked you, are you the creative director? No, not necessarily. It's it's uh in some days I am, some days I'm not. And the really reason of that is is um it's a small company. It's really only about seven of us here on staff. And what we do is it's a music house initially. We've been here for nine years. So what that means is we do music for commercials, TV shows, all the music that needs uh, needs to be there. And you'd only notice it if it was missing, that kind of stuff. So it's not like we're writing records and hit singles and stuff like that, but we're writing music every day for, uh, like, we used to do... Uh, Macy's, Target, um, a lot of I've, I've I've got music literally every day on ESPN, ABC, uh, MTV, VH1. It's just, but it's the music that it's not that important, you know. It's it's not like I'm writing songs for song's sake. I'm writing songs to f- perform a function, 
So, and then we also do a lot of, of uh, post audio work, which means we're mixing commercials, we're doing VO, we're doing ADR for movies. We're um, um, so it's really about the media production audio side, like TV and radio. Do you ever do you copyright all those um, all your the, the jingles or the songs and stuff? Yes, they're all registered and, and and when they get used, they they're all tracked. So there are royalties for those. And you guys, you don't just burn it onto a CD and mail it to yourself like back in the old days? No, it's uh, it's a lot easier than that now. <laughs> All that stuff gets registered with a uh, performing rights organization with either if you're a member of ASCAP or BMI or CSAC or what's the, there's, another, there's another one, Harry Fox, I think it's called. I'm a ASCAP guy. I have been for 20 years. And and uh, so all that music, when it when it gets picked up for like a big national spot, it, it that stuff tracks like a regular song does on the radio. And there are royalties that are required to be paid for that. And But being that I work for a company that pays me a salary, I share uh, my writing credit with them uh, because they're paying me if the song works or doesn't work. Okay. But uh, they have we, we have a pretty massive collection of songs. And we have 13,000 songs that we've amassed over the last nine years that you can always go back and use if you want. So a lot of my time now is not so much writing. It's kind of maintaining the library and finding music for other people uh, for, uh, for their commercials and, and such. That's interesting. Um, one of my good friends who is a songwriter down in Nashville, he used to tell me, I'm not going to give out any names because it's bad, but he used to flip through their iPad and stuff or their whatever it was back then. And then they'd write something just different enough to not get sued over it. Oh, yeah. And they'd get it cut. But then last, a couple years ago when that Robin Thicke song came out, the Blurred Lines one. Yeah. They were fighting over the Marvin Gaye tune. Right. I didn't even think it was all that I could get it, but I think they wrote it in a tribute to him, like in that vein. So that kind of <clears throat> spooks me a little bit. You can't even come close. Is that true? It is. It is. But there's there's one key word when it comes to, to comes to that, and it's called and it's intention. Um, if you can prove intent to steal another song, that's the big thing uh, that'll get you in trouble. And I've and I've seen that happen a bunch of times with. Uh, commercial music because it, it constantly comes up where an agency will want to use somebody's music but they clearly cannot afford the rights to it so they will hire a music house to nick that song and 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 you've got to be really careful you can't just go in and, and copy melodies obviously you can't you it's got to be um you've got to you can lift the spirit of the song you can find the energy but you can't be so close that you were proven to have used that as a source of inspiration, which is cause for intent. So what we do uh, when we write music is just in case we think it sounds like something, we'll actually get a, a musicologist to sign off on a song. Really? You have to. Where do you get them? I've never heard of that before. It, it's a pretty common thing in this business where you you're covering your butt legally, like because I mean music is music. We're only playing with twelve notes in Western music, so there's going to be moments where things sound like other things. It's not you don't have to do it all the time, but every once in a while you kind of go just to cover your butt legally. You know you want to hire a musicologist to to make sure that you're legally covered, saying this doesn't sound like anything else, and it's just kind of a um, a precautionary thing you want to do. So like I saw somebody sued. Um, 
gosh, I'm gonna, I don't want to get this wrong. But it happens, I'll just, I'll just say it happens a lot where like you'll hear a commercial clearly ripping off the Black Keys. I hear that all the time. And it's up to the Black Keys if they want to go after it. You know, it's, but okay. there's, but I don't know how much money you can, that can be made um, if you're trying to fight a massive corporation uh, that has a team of lawyers and you're, even if you're a sizable musician, you do not have the resources that a massive retailer has or a massive car company has or a massive beverage company has. So if they take a song, it's like you kind of have to choose your battles a little bit. Okay. But I'm probably I don't want to talk out of school on this stuff because it's like when it gets into that world, it's 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 a it's a different thing. But um and I and it's been interesting. I actually have an uncle who's a copyright attorney, and and he's uh, argued cases like that before, and is and it just asked me things off the record, kind of saying, "What is your opinion on this?" And uh, it's been a long time since he's done since he's done that. But he he kind of gave me some insight on how it works, and a lot of it has to do with intent. If somebody clearly ripped off a particular band or writer um, and they can prove say that say they were approached originally to do a song and then um, but they didn't take it because they couldn't afford the the rights to it but then three months later you hear a song that sounds like that case in point the big one was uh, a really big one was um, the Ghostbusters something strange in your neighborhood who you gonna call Ghostbusters something Remember that from the oh, film? absolutely when they ripped off when Ray, Ray Parker, Parker Jr. Jr. Loved r- ripped off. Um, why can't I think of it? I want a new drug. Is that what that one was? They I remember that story because they wanted. They, uh, why can't I think of his name all of a sudden? That's Huey Lewis. Lewis. Yeah. Huey Lewis uh, was approached to do the song, turned it down for whatever reason, and then all of a sudden they have a song that sounds just like a sped up version of "I Want a New Drug." It's just maybe 10 BPM faster. So that was clear, clearly intent. So that was a clear case. So, and wow. But anyways, yeah, me and legal issues, I don't, I'm no lawyer, so I should probably just be quiet. No, this is just super interesting. We've, I've never talked about this in the podcast before. And that's, and since you're dealing with all this stuff, it's really interesting. Uh, question, let's say the ones, recent ones that popped in my head or somewhat recent was Tom Petty and Sam Smith. Yep. And they had a song, and how? And let's say, for example, then the Coldplay song, the cool one. Uh, Is that the one that Satriani had the melody and Satriani, from? Satriani, who plays, he invents melodies every thirty seconds on no, his I know. guitar. And in those two cases, are very uh, a good um, references because the melodies are identical. But how? How did? Let's say Sam Smith, who was winning Grammys and stuff. How did it get that high up the totem pole where he had all these? Let's see, there's songwriter guys, producer guys, engineer guys not hear that, that it sounded the oh, they same did. Oh, I'm sure they heard it. I'm positive they heard it, but it just, it's, you, I think sometimes, uh, I mean, I, I don't imagine that uh, his team is, you know, a bunch of noobs who know, don't know what's going on. Yeah. They're, they're clearly, you know, well-versed, especially producers. They, 
have a, a massive encyclopedia of past music in their heads. I mean, the minute I heard that song, I'm singing Won't Back Down With It. Stay with me Cause you're In, really? Oh yeah, I knew it instantly, but Did it doesn't. You really? Yeah, wow. and I, was, I was shocked. But it, but but <laughs> but I don't think that's. But I think sometimes it's not a ripoff. I think sometimes it's just a happy. It's just an accident, not a happy accident. It's just um, like I said. There's only twelve notes that we're essentially working with. How we yeah. choose to use them sometimes they repeat. And and a lot of times, if you go back and listen to like any particular era of music, you'll find like you were saying how your writer friend in Nashville they'll just get close enough to a particular song to make sure that they're not, you know, they're, they're lifting the spirit, but it's really close. That's been going on forever in pop music. That's, it's just going to happen. So I think the Sam Smith thing, I don't, I don't think it's a ripoff. I just think it's, uh, they liked the melody. It worked for them and they went with it. And I don't think anybody noticed it until maybe, you know, halfway into the songwriting process, but just decided to go with it. Satriani too. It's just, especially that one, because there's such different um, audiences for each one of those songs. Oh, um, I don't think there's a lot of people that listen to Satriani that are big Coldplay fans and vice versa. I'm sure there's some overlap, but not much. There wasn't, you know, a thousand or even a, a hundred people that probably went, holy crap, um, Satriani just ripped off Coldplay. There's always the chance that one of those two heard. I think the Satriani came out before Coldplay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's I find it unlikely that Chris Martin was listening to you know a, a Satriani record, but you never know. The reality is that song could have been playing in the background somewhere. He could have been at soundcheck. He could have been on a bus or something. And that song played, and subconsciously that melody just went boop right inside your head and never left. So I'm I very much believe that we retain pretty much everything we encounter. So some people have the ability to kind of dial into that and, and have a photographic memory or a pretty amazing relative memory. And some, But I believe that everybody absorbs everything that's thrown at them. And sometimes those little things just, hard, you know, they sit inside your brain and, and eventually they just pop out, especially as a musician. You hear all these melodies. You're subconsciously paying attention to everything. The sound of... Uh, the pitch of the train going down the tracks, all those kinds of things influence you. So it's very possible that melody came in there. But again, I go back to its intent. It's, it's, I highly doubt you would ever want to rip off anybody's song. Why would you want to do that? I mean, oh, of course. Uh, it just, it's a, it's a, either a, a pure coincidence or a, a subconscious thing that happened. And so it, it, especially the Sam Smith one is, is a great example because those are both massive songs from different eras and slightly different audiences, mm -hmm. but very much could carry over into both audiences. So I think that one and the and the Robin Thicke tune, uh, those had cases, I believe, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, Coldplay, not so much. <laughs> but so you're talking about you've well, you've worked with like uh, punk rock bands, and I'm a big blues <clears throat> guy. Mm -hmm. 
And some of those are I straight identical. Oh yeah. And I want it's like my old guitar. Did you ever know Dan Neal? That's how I first heard of you. Is I was playing with Dan and he was talking about you. He used to say you couldn't copyright. Was it a chord progression? You can't do it's the only thing you copyright are. Um, oh, there's three things. Is it uh, the lyric, the melody, and basically the arrangement? Okay. Like you know, it, which is kind of like getting into that Robin Thicke tune, like the way they were lifting those elements from the Marvin Gaye song. It's not the melody per se, but they were okay. definitely ripping that tune. What doesn't lifting that? Isn't that make it the genre like blues? Like you're lifting that energy and those chords and those are like a three chord progression deal. Well, you can't, uh, especially in blues. It's a, a good example. Is is you're dealing with. Um, a very specific um, um, motif at all times, like the chord progressions that you use, which are completely not able to be copywritten, mm-hmm. and the grooves that you use are not able to be copywritten. And but blues is you're it's uh it's limited in its um, core, but it's but there's a, unless you're actually lifting lyrics, you pretty much can do anything you want in blues and rock and roll too. A straight rock and roll is it, it allows you to get away with pretty much murder and even lyrics sometimes you're like deathly close to another but it's all about I think I think the the thing that makes it unique is each person's approach it's like everybody's given the same paints everybody's given the same canvas how you choose to create with them is what makes blues and rock and roll really interesting well it's all music essentially but blues especially like it's it's like they just give you three colors sometimes. How do you blend those colors? How do you how do you make the depth of field happen? How do you how do you interpret it? And that's the beauty of that kind of music. Yeah, that's interesting. But I think that's all music actually. But blues, I think in, so per- too. blues in particular, like man, some songs it's like, all right, three hours of this and I'm just done. Oh. It's but with guys that don't know that really don't have all that interesting music. Yeah. Like I'm gonna go see Doyle Bramhall tomorrow night. Slayer, man. So the guys like that, like I'm not a huge blues fan, but I just like like guys like that. You know, it's gonna be that'll be the first time I've seen anything in that nature uh, for years. And uh, like the, a lot of times, uh, the blues guys I would go back to are like um, a little bit more on the jazz side of things. Like I loved Robin. I'm a massive Robin Ford fan and cool. things like that. And and uh, but I'm really excited to see him. So, but that's a great example of a guy who takes a, you know, a, he plays within a limited he's not limited i'm saying when you choose to play like rock and roll and blues it's like you know you're you're kind of only given five notes you know it's the notes you kind of put in between the right notes that makes it yours and how you bend them and shape them and how your voice is and but but essentially the themes are kind of similar yeah in my opinion i just thought of this example just as you're talking right now we were talking about that subconscious um you know, not quite ripoff, but subconscious like using of. And I was driving to the dog park, and I heard the song uh, "Ramble On" by Led Zeppelin. I think mm-hmm. it was "Ramble On." If I say to you tomorrow, take my hand, child, come with me. It's to a castle I will take you. 
And he goes, if I leave here tomorrow, and I'm like, that's Freebird. Oh, yeah. Same words and everything. <laughs> yeah. And But that's part of the game, I think. It's it's like nobody's writing anything original anymore. And I'm not saying that as like a, an old man thing. It's just like yeah. it, it's everything has been done. Everything has been done before. And but that's okay. Just you know, as long as you're not blatantly going, I am going to take this for this reason to achieve these results. Then I think everything's kind of fair game. Interesting. Um, so here at Rumble Music, you said you do a lot of music for commercials and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was going through your guys' website and stuff today and going through looking at some of the commercials. Uh, do you ever go on set for this stuff? Do you ever get to talk to them? Not me. Me, yeah, I just want to know. Did you meet D. Snyder? I know. No, no, that was funny. That'd be sweet. No, and the funny thing is, is um, uh, I everything I do is right here in this room for the most part, and I'll bring in people occasionally. But like the D. Snyder thing was just we used to do a lot of music for uh, Stanley Seymour because we worked with the agency that handled them, so we handled a bunch of their clients. Um, But the D. Snyder thing was really funny. Like you know how he sings the jingle at the end. Yeah. So he just sang that. While they were filming, like he just sang it out loud. There was no music behind him or anything like that. But he's a great singer, and so I built the entire commercial around that one thing. The the one one eight hundred steamer. I took that, and I was like, well, he sings in perfect pitch, and it's in perfect time. So I found like the rhythm of it and the key quickly, and I built backwards from that one thing, so that the song would fit him at the end. So. And like I can't sing like that kind of I can sing but I uh, I call myself the beer commercial voice like it's like or, or vocal tofu like I just kind of take on the flavor of whatever's around me which makes me a great backup singer but not that interesting of a lead singer so I brought hockey in to sing the bulk of it so Chris you know is a great and really uh, great studio singer for so he's saying like that big who wants a party part which is the same key that D sings at the end and it's the same vibe and but it all built from him singing that just on camera it was just pure dumb luck like the client wasn't even expecting that to be a part of it they just thought i was going to have my singer sing it but i used d and it worked fine so it worked great but that's how commercials work you find that one little thing and then you build from there just well i guess it's like any song but those are fun commercials when you find those little things that just go oh i know exactly what that to is do here. so interesting what a great story <laughs> um that's an awesome story is there any other highlights of working on commercial stuff or things like that that are similar that you might want to share. I have, um, we used to do a lot of, lot of music for Target, and there's a writer over there um, named Jeff Barbian who's a, a great creative mind and, and, and a very musical mind, but he's not a musician. Like, he really knows, he seems to have a very innate ability to write for, write lyrics and stuff like that and know what should work. And so we did um, this big rap, uh, Twins montage song for Tar- was Twins and Target, like all the mascots that they have out of Target Field. It was kind of like an '80s Rocky montage when they're preparing for, um, preparing for the season. They're working out, so it's an '80s montage. And uh, so I got he wrote the lyrics and they're perfect. And so I wrote a uh, big '80s style montage like uh, my 
it's basically Def Leppard is what it is. So I, cause I grew up on, I love Def Leppard. And so I, I, um, I wrote this, you know, two and a half, three minute long montage piece for him. But I ended up doing songs like that with, with, with Jeff from Target many times. Like we did this total Motown thing one year and we did a, we've done a bunch of projects like that for him. And I always had fun in it because there was always musically driven. So, um, but, uh, it was because they were at the beginning of the creative process. We were like, a lot of times music is the last step. It's like, we're going to put music in this at the end. But when music was a uh, a part of the initial discussion, like the music is the reason we're doing this. It's always a blast. It's an, it's just always a great challenge. That's awesome, man. Great stories. Uh, Matt Kirkwald, <coughs> thanks for being on the Mark Steri Music Podcast. You mind doing another part? Yeah, let's is do that it. cool? Um, for story behind the song segment, do you think I can just spin those commercials at the end? Would that be kind of yeah, cool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll hook you up with whatever you need if you don't already have it. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Spin okay. So you can kind of hear what yeah. you're talking about on both those examples. Yeah. So, okay, uh, please tune in next week with Matt for part Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for new podcasts about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you'd like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on the show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time. You won the D. Snyder Weekend! Cleans the rock and roll out of your carpet like Stanley Steamer for carpet, wood, and tile. Stanley Steamer gets Yeah.